Hello and welcome to episode 201 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? We're doing some more of these then, aren't we? I know, it's, it, the number almost like threw me then. I was like, yeah. 201, it's just like, oh, so mouthy. I could have sworn know? I only signed a 200 deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll get we'll get you re-signed for the next 200. Um, but yeah, we're back after the big one. Um, obviously, we had a week off last week. Um, but yeah, hopefully you guys have checked out episode 200. That was a real fun one. It was a very long one as well. Um, sort of going over the last four and a half years of this podcast. Um and yeah, very, very, so many highs. It was, it was an awesome time. So yeah, definitely go check that out if you haven't already. Um, and yeah, we've also, um, obviously we ran the giveaway for that. Um, so congrats to all the winners who should have received all of their movies at this point, or they're all on the way. Um, and yeah, thanks again to Sean who provided some of the movies for the giveaway. Um, of course, our international listener who's been a long supporter of the show. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, massive thank you to Sean. That was uh, amazing to give us that kind of uh giveaways so we could actually have some overseas as well and make it a real global giveaway which was cool yeah definitely and we do, we have some planned for the future as well so we'll stay tuned oh yeah we do um but yeah just kind of before we dive into the news and obviously having a couple of weeks away from the news it's been awesome because there is some phenomenal stuff to talk about this week um i oh, think yeah. this is one of the best news slates we've had all year um but yeah before we get into have we got some case... ghostbusters news <laughs> no we have not um oh. but uh in case people are wondering kind of what's going on because we talked about it at the end of 200 briefly um but yeah the plan right now of course we're kicking things off with our scream retrospective this week um and yeah over the course of the next few weeks we're going to be covering all the screen movies um all four of them um and yeah you had, me, much... you had me worried there for a second bro when you said scream <laughs> retrospective i was like shit was i meant to watch all four for this week <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would have been a lot um, i've only watched one bro <laughs> yeah that's fine you got you got many weeks i can, I can probably um, wing it with the other three it's cool but <laughs> yeah no we need to save room um but yeah kind of like this was our plan for a little while and we probably should have done this sooner because as people will know we were very much scraping the barrel for on-demand releases yeah um but we kind of wanted to get 200 you know like keep that you know normal as it were with the normal releases um but obviously now like it's there are some on-demand releases and obviously this is subject to change if something just randomly drops that we're excited for then of course we'll check it out um but we kind of know at this point that like there's a few on-demand releases in july um there's some tv coming back as as well that we want to talk about um but we pretty much know that we're about two months right now away from our first like scheduled theatrical release of horror mm. um which is pretty exciting like two months not not crazy not too far away um we're getting so, yeah like yeah so if we do this over the next month that'll get us even closer to that and then we'll go back and have a look if we need to for on demand stuff um but yeah for now it's all about screen baby um so if you want to watch along with us um make sure you watch them each week because yeah it's gonna be very exciting we're just gonna go full spoilers from the get-go and yeah like it's gonna be a lot of fun talking about these oh movies. this is gonna be this is gonna be a great time yeah, like awesome. just watching this first movie already i was just like oh yeah it was so this, this is what it's about right now <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah kicking kicking off the news because my god there's some interesting stuff in here um, yeah i'm ready all, um a new evil dead movie kind of got semi-announced um sure so it was weird because sam raimi's obviously been talking about this for a little while like he's announced year. an evil dead movie about eight times at this point i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah and what what's hilarious is i kind of love the way this was announced i don't know if you saw it but it was just an interview with bruce campbell um yeah. <laughs> to empire magazine where he just said a lot of stuff where he basically said um 
he, he basically said the name of the movie and who's directing it just off the cuff um brilliant he's the so tom he's... holland of the uh, evil dead <laughs> universe yeah, it's fantastic um because yeah even though bruce campbell is obviously at this point not slated to star in the movie he's obviously got his hands all over this as he should do as a producer role and um yeah yeah um and he said that it's called evil dead now um <laughs> which continues the the kind of for me anyway the thread of just confusing and weird i wish it was titles. called evil dead kills but yeah <laughs> like this is one of those titles where i'm like is there a pun that i'm just not missing here because <laughs> do you, does it make any sense to you why it's called <laughs> evil dead now no <laughs> <laughs> no let us know like i because... mean you know because because the third movie was in the past and so now mm. he's in the now i don't know if that's the reason and then my god um but yeah what's interesting is i mean i gave it more reason than anyone else has to date that's all i'm saying man yeah i think bruce campbell was just talking and just words came out of his mouth basically um but uh yeah the director of the new movie is lee cronin who i think only has one credit uh, next to his name um but he did the hole in the ground um, which is really interesting because that's one of the very few movies that was like on our radar when it came around. Like, I think it got like a small on-demand release first mm. um, because I think it was like an Irish indie movie. I think the director's Irish, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, and then I think it has come to Netflix now. I think it's available. It is on, on I'm pretty sure it is on Netflix now because I have yeah. seen it and I'm like, oh, maybe. It reminds me of like Terrifier where like when it first came out, there just wasn't a buzz. And I feel like it's kind of got a bit of groundswell over the last few years and people have obviously checked it out when it comes to these streaming services and people seem to enjoy it um but yeah i've not seen it i definitely want to see it now um yeah. because that seems to be the movie that kind of got in this role yeah um, two director credits oh, okay what was <clears throat> minutes past midnight in 2016 like... looks oh, like okay, a full yeah. feature then right. some shorts and tv stuff right okay yeah so so yeah he did yeah. do another movie but this seems to be the one um but yeah, yeah uh, i'm interested Bruce... in giving that a watch now yeah, he's, Bruce said, um, Sam handpicked Lee. He did a cool movie called Hole in the Ground. Uh, we're going to get that sucker out as soon as practical. Um, <laughs> he, he then went on to say, um, from this point forward, they kind of have to stand on their own, which is fine and liberating. You can have different heroes, different heroines in this case. This one's going to be a little more dynamic. We just want to keep the series current. And the mantra really is that our heroes and heroines are just regular people. That's what we're going to continue. Keep things um, in the now. So, yeah, like this is a weird one for me because obviously we love Evil Dead so much. And I just want more of it. But I think we were both kind of, at least for me, I can only speak for myself, but like I was always hoping that we would get a sequel to Evil Dead. Um, of course, Fede Alvarez is Evil Dead. I just think there was so much in that world. I think Fede earned it with how amazing that movie was. It broke everyone's expectations going in. Um, yeah. I, I think off the top of my head, and again, I could be proven wrong, but I think to me, it's the best horror remake we've ever had. Um, and so I would love to see a sequel to that movie. I think. Characters. The thing is, like, we've seen all of Ash's story at this point. The TV yeah. show was the perfect way to say goodbye to that character. 100%. Um, and so there really is no more that needs to be told in that. It was just perfect. And so, yeah, for me, the natural kind of place I'd want to explore is Fede's movie and a sequel mm. to that. Kind of another kind of... <clears throat> path on this evil dread evil dead tree um you know could be could be fun like mm. evil dead you know pretty much in all avenues of evil dead has been fun for me the remake the originals the tv show so like i'm down for evil dead yeah. but i can't say that like i'm absolutely buzzing for, for more new evil dead stuff but yeah mm. as soon as we get to see stuff i'm, I'm sure i'll change my mind 
Yeah, I completely agree. I think, yeah, like I agree with you that I think there there was that groundswell and there always will be for Bruce. And I mm. agree with you that like that, the TV show was just the perfect avenue for that character today. And it's hard to picture him in like a full feature length movie nowadays. And yeah. he had three seasons, with, which was incredible that we got that. And so, yeah, like it was weird oh. that I guess it didn't even cross my mind that, oh yeah, there'd be a new Evil Dead movie with Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Um, it was always going to be a case of someone new. I just, I don't know. I know we, we got that thing that was new in 2013 and it was incredible so of course i'd want more of that but listen if they can somehow do that again then it'd be amazing um so yeah, yeah it's, it's exciting for sure um i think the problem is evil dead even needs to be terrifying or really funny and the mm. stuff with bruce campbell like he does that comedic stuff like no one else can yeah and so i just don't know whether if you went down that especially because that's the way Raimi's been recently with the Evil Dead stuff and the TV mm. show and everything. If if you try to go that funny route and you haven't got someone like Bruce there, I just don't know whether it becomes more cringy. Like, it does worry me. Um, yeah. Because because he is the, you know, Bruce is the glue that kind of somehow keeps it all going, like, even when he's doing the most craziest shit ever. Mm. Um, so, yeah, like, it, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it shows that when Sam is willing to pass it off to someone else, that's when he's looking for maybe something more serious and more darker. Because yeah. um, obviously, yeah, it seems like that's kind of like his natural thing he does is that like he has a sense of humor. He can get across that stuff so well. And so if Sam's the one doing it, that's going to be the end of project, even if maybe he wanted to do something darker. Whereas, yeah, I don't know too much about, like say, this director, but from what I've seen, Hole in the Ground is not like a comedy. Obviously, mm. it's a very serious toned movie um so yeah it'll, it'll be fascinating to see for sure um next up uh this is pretty exciting news um creep show which of course was kind of they were in the middle of production for season two when like all the craziness happened um ha has already renewed it for a series three um <laughs> so awesome <laughs> yeah so this kind of happened where um it, it was reported first of all that um they had kind of already started sanctioning scripts for a season three mm. and then like off the back of that they were like yeah it's like we've now announced that it has been officially renewed and it makes sense because they basically said that like creep show obviously season two is underway and they're going to need to start like continue shooting and post-production all that stuff mm. but it was a case of we just want to get these scripts ahead of time so greg and everyone else on the team can kind of like right what are we going to do for season three and just basically begin pre-production stuff they can do via you know emails and stuff like that whilst the pandemic is still upon us um so i think it makes perfect sense that kind of like okay we already have season two on the back burner we know what's going on but let's do the really early almost boring nitty-gritty stuff out of the way um so then we're like pre-prepared you know to continue with the show because obviously it's going to be delayed at this point everything is yeah um so yeah i like this it's forward thinking of course and i think it makes sense that like if you've got that team kind of like forced to not work on the current season but they can do stuff for a future season then why not it makes perfect sense um, oh yeah definitely and i think it's just awesome that they're, they're going big with this and they're already going for a season three and that this is something they really want to run with. Obviously, they got the IP mm. and kind of um, <clears throat> made a stellar first season. And so, yeah, I'm just I'm buzzing that they're just going to keep going with it. Definitely. And I 100% want like Creepshow to be that Shudder Temple thing. Like I want that to be obviously with with the production stuff is is um, out of their hands at this point. But let's ignore that for a second and be like, right, if we could get a new Creepshow every Halloween, like a new season, that's incredible. And that, that is a reason to con stay continued, you know, signed up to the to the service for sure um so yeah like this is this is absolutely what we want and um yeah season one was great and I, I really am looking forward to season two obviously it's like far away at this point um but i'm already like in the mood for more of oh, it, so I can't I can't wait. Wait. 
Um, next up, this is like definitely the least interesting, I'd say, of all the news stories here, but it's still worth talking about. Um, where basically Edgar Wright has another movie coming up. Um, this <laughs> no, is, we just got to have the yeah, one. This is why I'm not excited for this because obviously I'm ridiculous excited for Last Night in Soho, um, which is like an original story that I believe he wrote and is obviously directing. It's like his return to horror, like it's ticking so many boxes. Um, whereas this is a weird one just because it's um, Universal Pictures have kind of bought this book called The Chain. Mm -hmm. um which was released in 2019 and he's attached to direct it um which yeah like uh, obviously the only reason why i put it in here is because edgar wright is attached but i do think it's a weird one that obviously he's still got this movie on the back burner so i don't really see the point in like announcing this right now yeah exactly um you know maybe if this is like three or four years in the future then that's fair enough um but yeah like i don't know too much about the book either like there is a brief synopsis of it um it sounds like is it called the box that do you remember that story from a while ago i think it's like a remake as well yeah um, yeah it's one of those weird ones where it's like these people make you do these certain things to like continue this chain of events obviously that's why it's called that um but i don't know it didn't it didn't intrigue me massively it didn't sound like something that edgar wright should be attached to either it sounded a little bit generic um but again yeah I'm definitely I, yeah and the problem is you just kind of want edgar wright to be doing original complete mm. the original stuff really 100%. because that's what he's so good at yeah. Um, oh yeah. His so, is so <clears throat> and that's that's why I don't really buy it because mm. has he done that much stuff that he hasn't written himself? Well, that's the thing. Like, obviously, Scott Pilgrim was like a, mm. a, an existing IP that he but directed. a massive kind of passion project more than yeah. anything. And then obviously, Ant Man he was attached to and yeah like the work and the screenplay, but then obviously it fell through and he, he ended up not directing either of the Ant Man movies. Um, mm. So I could almost see this being something like that of like maybe he'll work on it, he'll get them towards production and then he'll maybe drop out and maybe just be like a producer or something because yeah it did, i don't know to me anyway as someone who really um holds edgar really highly in my estimation i think it's this is almost beneath him <laughs> like you say like i want to see yeah. him do like original stuff that really drives him rather than like some random book that, that got released last year like, i don't know maybe i'm underselling it if people have like read the book and it's amazing let me know um but yeah it, it doesn't excite me too much but listen i've already got an edgar wright movie which i cannot wait to see <laughs> um so yeah, yeah exactly let's just get that one exactly um and then next up this one um the, the yeah the penultimate part of the news my god this is exciting like I, I can't believe this got announced it just kind of came out of nowhere um they're making a new vhs movie oh boy um, which which is incredible like genuinely incredible i i did not see this coming there wasn't even like rumors or at least i hadn't seen any of this and no. it seems like it's came out of nowhere. Um, we've obviously VHS is one of those movies that obviously predates the podcast, and we've kind of discussed it, you know, every now and again. Yeah, because like, we never those... got to do any of them, did we? No, but like those first two are absolutely incredible. I absolutely mm. adore them so so much. Viral was a massive misstep in every way, and it's not a great movie. And I think that's obviously why the kind of kill kind of came out too quickly, didn't it? Mm. If I recall, it kind of came out pretty quickly after two. Yeah, well, that was the thing. Like, VHS was a huge success in the horror community at the time. Like, it blew up in everywhere, and everyone kind of loved it. It made so many people. Like, we'll see some of the people that were attached to it at the time. And it just made them all, like, in the horror genre. And, yeah, it kind of, it, it became such a huge, almost, um, victim of, of its own success, where they really mm -hmm. had to just pump out those sequels rather quickly. So having time removed from it now, it sounds awesome. Um, but we have a lot of details on this as well. Um, so it's called VHS 94. Um, Hell yeah. So so yeah obviously set in 1994 interesting one like i definitely we've discussed that a lot the kind of there's so much 80s nostalgia and i definitely want to see these different time periods experience more um you know we talk a lot of, like i 
always said like summer of 94 is the movie that i want so badly mm. <laughs> you know that sequel 10 years after that movie um so maybe Definitely. they could put that in here somewhere that'd be exciting um but <laughs> yeah and and kind of the names attached to this are fascinating because we have a lot of people that have been involved in vhs before kind of bloody disgusting are one of the main people that are like uh, the production company behind they, they, this, like, yeah i was gonna the say movies. they seem to be the ones that are kind of putting all this together and trying to keep it under wraps and eventually it kind of got leaked this week yeah so it's brad and tom who are kind of part of bloody disgusting they're yeah. like producers and they're like you know that have overseen the whole thing from the get-go um but the actual filmmakers involved is fascinating so we have a long list here and it kind of it gets a little bit confusing as to who's doing what so <laughs> i'll try and decipher it but so david bruckner who um for, in terms of vhs he directed amateur night which i think in my opinion is like still the best segment out of all of the films um we've covered his movies now he did the ritual um which was an awesome movie mm. um and then uh, earlier this year his movie the night house was bought out of sundance so that will be getting a release at some point um and of course he is currently tapped to direct in the new hellraiser um Crazy. So, he's a, so he's a very busy person and obviously again speaks volumes that he kind of had his breakout on vhs um he has apparently written and will produce the film um nice. So this, this is where things start to get confusing. Obviously, if, you, if you're a VHS fan, you know that kind of like each segment is its own little thing that kind of written and directed. Um, mm -hmm. I think what's interesting here is it says that VHS 94 will be the first in the series to be presented in a single fluid narrative with each section linked up. Um, mm. So that obviously makes it different. And we talked about like Scare Package very recently that did that, 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 you know, it did tie them all together. And I think went a long way of, of really making that movie really awesome. Um, Definitely. So maybe that's where David is kind of writing it. Like you, is, there's a lot to kind of like try and pull from this to really figure out what's happening. Um, I bet I bet they looked at that movie and was like, God damn it. We're set, we've done our movie VHS yeah. 94 right when rental stores are massive. And <laughs> yeah. now we would just be ripping off Scare Package. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, like I would, would oh, that's such an interesting point that you make because yeah like that seems like the most obvious place doesn't it of like is this going to be set in a video store in the 90s yeah. um but uh do it just do it guys because it's phenomenal yeah um and yeah what's interesting as well is and again because there's so many parts of this but they're saying that they're still looking for filmmakers and they're still kind of piecing it all together so it seems like they don't know exactly the end product at this point so that's why it's confusing to me yeah. like well how is this a single narrative <laughs> if you've still got sections that you haven't announced um mm -hmm. but anyway obviously moving on from that um the other team that's linked to this is radio silence who mm -hmm. um they directed i think was it the the something or other it was like halloween 1984 wasn't it or something along those lines um in the initial vhs um, um it's something yeah, like, I can't remember what the segment's called. It's something like 311084 or something along those lines. That's the one, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, that, that was an awesome segment as well. And obviously they yeah. broke out massively since that movie. They did um, Ready or Not, which was a huge hit last year. And of course, speaking of which, they are going to be directing the new Scream. Um, so they're involved. It seemed like they're involved in a producing role, though. Um, yeah, so then... it's so weird, kind of so many different names, and yeah, <laughs> they don't actually seem to have anyone making the movie. No, just loads so... of people that are like massive supporting of the movie. <laughs> yeah, so so far we've got two people that are involved before, both producing, one writing. Now we get to the people that are confirmed to be directing. Um, the first one is Simon Barrett who mm -hmm. is a long-term writer, kind of your next, the guest, Blair Witch, plenty of awesome stuff. And obviously he uh, co-wrote in VHS 1. He directed the wraparound in VHS 2. 
and he has his first feature length movie coming out soon. I can't remember the title. Of I was going to say he's not head. he's not done anything since Blair Witch, has he? No, because he kind of this he, new one. I guess he had this partnership with Adam Wingard, and mm. they've kind of is seemingly professionally split, as it were. And obviously, he's doing um, Godzilla. Um, and yeah, Simon has been directing more. And yeah, he I forget what it's called, but I know he's been promoting it a little bit on his Twitter. That I, I don't think it's coming out this year, maybe next year. Um, but he's got his first feature length directing thing. But yeah, he is confirmed to direct one of the shorts. Um, nice. which is cool because again, he was one of those classic alums for VHS, and I'm glad he's getting a shot at it again. Definitely. Um, next up is timo tajanto i believe is how you announce it um who again was on vhs2 um i'm trying to remember the name of that the segment in vhs2 but it was the standout one it was the one that everyone loved it was really really insane um and he's done a few movies since then as well like the night that comes for us was kind of his big one on netflix that people seem to really enjoy um so again, a name kind of like from VHS2 returning, which I think is cool. Um, and then the, the kind of the only newcomer that's part of this um, is Chloe Okono, who I don't think she's done too much. She has a couple of horror shorts um, that are available to watch that they kind of put out as part of this press that's, release. That's the cool thing about this, though, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, well, it's because the <laughs> yeah, like, that, that was VHS1, we didn't know any of those people. Mm. <laughs> um, and yeah, they all had huge careers. So yeah, I think that's definitely what's signed. Like, I like the mix of obviously old and new with this. Um, definitely. It's the whole point of the franchise. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just want it to get made. I want it, I want it to happen so yeah. bad. Yeah, this is super exciting. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Like you say, like new names, old names, there's still stuff to come. There's no release date or anything. Like obviously we'd have to assume it's at least 2021 at this point. Um, but I, I'm ridiculously excited. If you if you'd have said mm. to me, like of all the different horror things that could be announced, VHS has always been in that conversation of like, I want more of this thing. Um, and especially oh, yeah. so soon after Scare Package, it reminds me how much I love those anthology movies. Um, this is awesome. I cannot wait to hear more about this for sure. Um, and yeah, if you if you've Double not for some reason seen like the VHS movies, definitely like the first one is so good and it's oh, the first, terrifying. The first one was like one of the horror movies that kind of was that that probably started to ignite those seeds for us to get yeah. massively back into horror. Yeah, you know, pre kind the of podcast, them early two thousands. You know, like that and of, Evil Dead were the two, weren't they? Of like that these Evil are Dead and Martyrs, yeah. like those sorts of movies were the things that really started to reignite that fire and made us mm. realize that new horror was coming out that was awesome yeah um, and and you have to dig a bit to find it and but it's worthwhile yeah for and, sure. and yeah so it was definitely one of those ones that did that yeah i i, I just cannot wait like it's always like if this is official thing i can't wait to go back and rewatch them all because yeah. like, it's been a little while um and yeah next up this is one that you put on the uh, news actually um and i haven't yeah, even I seen this anywhere so this kind of came out of nowhere why don't, why don't you talk us through this one Christ, I don't even remember what it was now. <laughs> well, I, I can, I've got it in front of me. So basically, um, oh, okay, In Search yeah. of Darkness is getting yeah. a sequel. Um, um, was there any crazy. specifics to it, though? I, I don't um, think anything else has come out yet. There was just kind of a tweet that came out and um, an article that, yeah, they're basically so much uh, story to tell and more ideas that they, they want to do it again. And kind of the first movie if, or the first documentary, if anyone's not seen it, is really just like this greatest hits and almost like a very talking about some of the cultural trends but talking about so many movies and they mm. just kind of wanted to just delve into it more and have more stories to tell more people they wanted to interview so they are going to do a sequel and um part of the announcement as well was that they said that they're going to you know release the two together at some point as well which mm. is awesome yeah, um, because i still that... want to pick that up so badly yeah, it says that it'll be available to order this October as part of a double pack or just yeah. as a standalone. So I don't know if that's 
is it coming out in October? Or is it just a bit? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think I think there'll just be a new kind of Kickstarter type. Oh thing. yeah, around Halloween. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because um, um, uh, that's kind of where the the original one launched. Yeah, it says that it's going to be previously unused material from the first documentary as well as all new interviews. Um, mm. And it says that it'll have a similar kind of um, kind of through line as the first documentary. So it'll be highlighting individual movies from the eighties, and then as well as like larger topics as well. Um, Tell you what, though. If they do not, thinking. if they do not include microwave master, at this point, <laughs> we might we might have to hit the guys up and be like, look, we we let you do the dirty the first time, but for the <laughs> sequel, you gotta have microwave. Master. This has to be the main reason why they would do a sequel. <clears throat> I, I assume they heard the podcast and thought, oh my god, how did none of us think of microwave massacre? We're gonna have to do a sequel, and it's probably gonna be forty-five minutes to an hour just talking <laughs> about microwave massacre. I'm surprised it's not in this initial press release, to be honest. Yeah, um, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the call to ask us to to interview up. Like, yeah. I'm down. Oh man, it really, it really should be there. Um, but yeah, this again is great news. Like mm. more of a of a wonderful thing, and it's yeah, I, I've already want to watch it again. Even though it's like this four hour documentary, it genuinely flew past. Like it's it's so yeah. so awesome. I know um, the 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 uh, lockdown version is still available. Um, right. Oh, this this weekend's uh, just gone, so not great for listeners at this point. But um, <laughs> Jeffrey um, Jeffrey Coombs was gonna was oh, right. doing a watch along and right. doing like a thing huh. on Twitter and social media with it. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so um, they're still like they're they're really promoting the documentary still, which is awesome to see. Yeah, that's good. Like the, the the news this week, like I say, genuinely my favorite news I think we've done for a very awesome. long time. Like it's awesome. sequel to that is great. New VHS is awesome. More creep show is incredible, and the new Evil Dead is pretty exciting as well. So, um, oh yeah, this is this is fantastic. Now, yeah, should we talk about this week's film? Let's do it. Let's talk about Scream. So yeah, kind of a pretty different one to we normally discuss. It's been a while since we talked about an old movie. Um, I'm so excited. Or not a brand new movie, so to speak. Um, but yeah, the the original Scream, released in December 20th, 1996, which is uh, feel, feels weird. Like, obviously, we'll, we'll get into like our first time watching this movie, and um, we do have some comments from the listeners as well. Um, but obviously, I, I didn't watch this when it came out, <laughs> and nice. it, feels, it feels weird to think about this as like a Christmas release. Um yeah that's insane yeah because it's like it's not in the movie like it's obviously it's not set during christmas or anything like that um so no if if, that's one of those weird things when you look at it and you're like i guess that makes sense like why else would you you know where else would you release it um it's just one of those weird little things but uh yeah i guess so but i guess not really like halloween is it like it's, no, it's just a scary movie isn't it <laughs> um yeah we'll try not to mention that too much um <laughs> I, I i may or may not have also watched game movie in the last oh, week <laughs> um it will be so, part of the conversation but not yet bro not no. yet um, <laughs> so yeah obviously directed by wes craven of course um yeah who at the time was an interesting part in his career kind of he'd he'd already done new nightmare which is an interesting one to think that's mm. pre this movie 
um, which obviously I haven't yeah, seen also, New Nightmare. Two years before, like 94 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, um, but like I've not seen New Nightmare in a very long time, but that ha- that has a lot of the kind of like meta stuff, doesn't it? Like the whole yeah, you know, well, because... kind of referencing Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that. Well, uh, it it's crazy meta because um, Heather Langenkamp plays herself, hmm. and um, Freddy is haunting her and the actors of the original movie and Wes Craven in the real world. <laughs> yeah, I need to. Um, man, I really yeah, need to rewatch it. So Nightmare. so yeah, saying it's a little bit meta. Is... Yeah, <laughs> it's. It's more meta than meta. Yeah, um, that's crazy. So that because that I always thought that that came after Scream. So it's wild that yeah. that predates it. But obviously, Wes wrote and directed New Nightmare. Um, mm. Obviously, just directed Scream, and yeah, uh, written by one Kevin Williamson, um, who at the time this was his first like proper writing credit. Um, which obviously he's had an insane career since then. He's obviously mostly in TV. He's invented about twelve mm. different TV shows <laughs> at this point. Um, and very uh, prolific writer but obviously at the time it was kind of wild that this was this like i always wonder where that came from this kind of Mm. perfect um kind of relationship between the two of writer and director because i think we talk about that a lot these guys who obviously there are guys like you know jordan and and so many people like ariasta who like they write and direct and they seem to do it both phenomenally well and it blows my mind but i'm always more intrigued by these like partnerships of writers and directors Um, especially when it works so perfectly and you can't imagine like any of these screen movies and like we're 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 on the eve of potentially a scream five and kind of you know you you just can't imagine them that these two aren't involved and working together and obviously it's not possible anymore which sucks um and and you know yeah it just it just gelled and worked perfectly straight away i think it's super interesting as well like looking at kind of Craven's kind of because he did Vampire in Brooklyn the year before Scream yeah. came out as well. So yeah. he was in just like such a different place. And then just yeah, his 90s career is very odd. Yeah. And then just like puts out Scream. And like, I think, I think Scream for, for anyone that, that is a fan of horror is like, it has to be one of these seminal movies that kind mm-hmm. of in the 90s just completely revitalized horror and gave us a, a whole new kind of breath of life you know good or bad in the end because Mm. there were some amazing movies that came out in the 90s because of scream i mean there were so many rip-off movies but that's always the case and i think kind of um screen it it, it really kind of got movies on the big screen a hell of a lot more like horror movies and that sort of thing and kind of the Mm. popcorn flick and the way that this parodied it especially in the latter movies that we'll come on to um yeah like i i don't think it can be understated how big this movie is for the franchise for, for the for the horror um yeah. community yeah completely when you think about it like half a decade kind of removed from the 80s and like where does horror live at that point and mm. obviously there was still kind of like early 90s there was a hangover from the 80s of course and i mean when did like Candyman come out off the top of my head i feel like that was like 92 right yeah so, like, yeah you had stuff like Candyman. Candyman would have been before yeah, but it was very limited. Like there wasn't that huge plethora like there was in the eighties. So. No, I think um, it it was like you say that hangover. You, you you were having like a ton of the Halloween and and Friday the Thirteenth still going and still dwindling out, and then kind of obviously like Nightmare on Elm Street with with New Nightmare and that sort of thing, and kind of everyone looking and saying, right, we've we've done ten of these at this point. <laughs> like, what yeah. what's next, guys? What's next? And kind of um, you know. Uh, for for Wes Craven, a guy that kind of was was there in the seventies, there in the eighties, to then kind of spearhead it again in the nineties is just mm. it's just incredible. 
Yeah, it's absolutely wild. Um, but yeah, the, apparently the budget of this movie was around fourteen or fifteen million dollars. Um, it made one hundred and seventy-three million at the box office. Um, it was a huge movie for that year and going into the, the following year. And it they immediately greenlit a sequel while the movie was still in theaters. Um, kind of yeah, unsurprisingly, and obviously we'll get to the sequels later on. Um, but yeah, like Kevin already had an outline for two and three when he kind of sold the script to Dimension. Um, nice. And so, yeah, it was, it was it was a no brainer. Like the this movie had such an instant impact and obviously still has an impact now. But when you try and think back to at the time, it was a huge success. It wasn't one of these like cult classics that like people look back on now. And it's like I think something like a nightmare. Um, sorry, a nightmare before Christmas that didn't have that reaction on release. And has since yeah. has this huge fan base, this had a massive impact on release and still does have an impact today. Um, I think it's one of those that, that <clears throat> it is a juggernaut and everyone knows scream, but rightly they do. Yeah. You know, I think some of these, some of these horror franchises do get the spotlight and, you know, kind of when we talk about some of these movies that we have to go see in the cinema and we yeah. get frustrated by it. Whereas like, this movie deserves every eyeball that goes on it and, and all the love and praise that it gets. And, and that's why I'm so happy that movies like this do spotlight the genre. Yeah, um, because if you watch this movie and you don't like it, then, you know, you, you probably just don't like horror movies. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, it's a good barometer, you know, for, for most people, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, do we want to go into plot or anything dumb like that? Or nah, like people know, I guess what these movies are about. This part, I just wanted to know, like, can you remember? Because I, I vaguely have a few memories, but I wanted to hear your reaction first. Like when you first saw this movie, I, I can't remember. I do you remember like what time period it was? I don't remember a time in my life that I didn't love Scream, <laughs> which which makes me happy that I don't mm. remember that. Um, I it's one of those things where I remember. Um, <clears throat> it would have been round about when, when one and two were out, but before three, mm. um, because I remember kind of three hitting the cinemas and we were not old enough to go and then, <laughs> uh, kind of waiting for that VHS to drop mm. and kind of when that, when that arrived and like getting it and, and remembering kind of scream free on VHS. So we definitely picked up one and two in the kind of gap between two and three. Um, but all I remember is that this movie probably I because I, like there have been stuff we've talked about on the podcast, you know, and it, it pretty much all centers around Wes Craven. Mm. Um, but but, you know, his movies have blown me away and other ones as well, like um, and have these special moments with. But Scream was one of these things that like I watched and just thought to myself, this this is like the, the best horror movie I've ever seen. And I, you know, when I first watched it and just kind of fell in love with it instantly and we just watch it on loop and on loop and on loop and never got bored of it. Mm. And just, um, you know, even as the sequels come out, just, just was absolutely in love with the franchise. And I think kind of was that kind of cement for me when I was young, kind of deciding that horror movies were the thing that I loved and the thing that I wanted to kind of, seek out because if i could get moments like scream again then fantastic and that and and to this day scream is still the benchmark you know mm. for, for for most horror movies and you know when we talk about things that you know for the for the show multiple times we talk about a home invasion movie that's not that great and i still kind of dig it because i just love scream so much that i'm yeah. chasing that still mm. in 2020 so yeah i you know there isn't a movie that's more important really i don't think to like my personal horror movie lineage 
yeah well i was gonna i wanted to ask you about really like where do you rate this as kind of like an overall favorite i guess um but maybe maybe we'll get to that later um but yeah Mm. like it's i i agree with you it's one of those movies that just it makes you crave more of it because it's so good and obviously we're like we're so blessed with so many different brilliant pieces of media and entertainment at all times but like there are certain things like this and like other movies or you know different forms of entertainment where you're like it's so good and it's a shame that we don't get more of it because like of course you're just not like it's it's a time and a place and it's this piece of brilliant art that can like never be replicated like this movie could have never come out at any other point and had the success it had and um yeah it's, it's just ridiculously good like re- obviously getting into like re-watching it now well, like i guess i'll quickly go back to i do remember us renting this very very young um mm. kind of like our parents getting it for us from like the local video store as it were and like all i remember is very much the the whodunit aspect was like the yeah being obsessed yeah like that was the thing that i remember being the the strongest me obviously as a first watch it wasn't so much about like the the meta or anything like that it was more like a here's this movie where there's a killer and you're trying to work out who who is the killer and um that was like immediately especially as as you know being younger that was so fascinating and scream always had me on strings i feel like because it was it was never a case of like oh it never felt obvious or cliched it was always like so interesting and fresh and i guess that's going on to like the first three it's like much because we'll get to them but like those those original movies were very much like i don't know where they're gonna take this and i'm just i'm so like trying to guess what's going on but like the game the the movie's so the the movie's like 10 steps ahead of me at all points um which i absolutely loved for um it's it's how like when we talk about latin movies that we love and you in particular mm. like the saw franchise and how you're trying to chase how it all clicks together that's how these screen movies were and i think kind of um like you say i have these memories of the first time you watch it and like when dewey goes to the police station and the sheriff they pan down to his boots and he's got mm. the boots on and the the fucking principal does and everyone yeah. has these same goddamn boots and you're like <laughs> they're all the killer mm. and like yeah what i would give to like be able to go back and watch this movie without the knowledge that i have and just have that journey one more time but yeah that journey was obviously so special in the late nineties for us that, that we're still revisiting it today, which is incredible. Yeah. Well, um, I just love like all the, the different kind of red herons as it were of like, okay. So, cause in these types of movies, you're like, right. If this person's like, like Sydney to uh, take for as an example, like, okay, so she's being stalked by Ghostface right now. So she can't possibly be the killer. And then you do that for kind of each character and you're like, like, where's this character popping up? But obviously yeah. this movie's so genius because it like immediately flips that, massive reveal on its head by having two killers and for the first movie to do that i just thought was absolutely brilliant and it's almost it's too clever because i feel like as we'll get to the later sequels it's it's such a brilliant twist that you could never possibly top it 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 does almost remind you like you say of saw where that initial Mm -hmm. twist is so simple but so brilliant and there have been great twists in later on saws but nothing will ever come close to that initial reveal it's what they did with the whole arc of billy as well Mm. because they literally introduce him and he looks like a killer then then sydney literally yeah. points the finger at him and we're like well he's yeah. a fucking killer i'm like we're 20 minutes in game over and then like the police are like no it's clearly not him and everyone is like it's clearly not him sydney believes it's not him and you and you're like yeah she was attacked the night that he was in or, or he got you know called the night that he yeah. um uh, was in was prison, in prison. and then literally the the second that she calls him on that and is like wait who did you make your one call to yeah. is the second that the the killer pops up and fake kills him yeah. and my god that looks fake 
Yeah. Like, it's hilarious because the, when I first saw that, did not see it at all. Like, mm. did not see how fake that looked. But when he turns around, it's not like they've done it. Like, it it looks like he's, you know, faking it. Mm. But you just, as an audience member, you buy it like Sydney does. Yeah. Like, even when he fought, stumbles down the stairs and, like, takes the gun off her, there's no, there's no stab wounds on him. Mm. But, but as the viewer that first time, you're in Sydney's shoes and you're believing that he's on death's door and you give him that gun. Like, yeah. you want him to take control of this situation because you, you know at this point he's been stabbed. He's the only person that you can trust. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it, it's perfect. And, yeah, uh, the other movies, yeah, obviously, like, we'll come on to them, but they have an impossible task that they somehow get extremely close to because this, this one that they, they hit perfection first time with it. Definitely. Um, I think another aspect as well of like, because obviously this movie creates a lot of conventions because it essentially obviously created a franchise and we'll talk about those, the way it uses those conventions in the later movies. Mm. But yeah, that I think the, the idea of how do you reveal who the killer is, is like a fascinating question. And this is again, why the writing is just perfect in every single way, because clearly that was a conversation that like Kevin was having with himself when he was writing this movie. And so like, is that needs to be the, the, the gut punch. You can't just have it in like a, an uninteresting way or a boring way or like it's it needs to be one of the best scenes of the movie needs to be when you reveal what's actually going on because that's what most of the audience is going to care about the first time they watch the movie and so for that moment when he shoots randy the most like lovable enjoyable character in the whole movie like that hits you in the face every single time you watch it and like again you talk about things that they got absolutely perfect and my god there's a lot for this movie because it is we, we may we might sound hyperbolic but i think we both very much like this movie a lot um i think that reveal is just like stunning like the way he says that line delivery and when he shoots randy you just you cannot believe it and the way like nev's reacting to everything is just perfect like my god like that it's, i think that that scene might be my favorite little moment in the whole movie but it's very it's hard the to way, choose. it's the way that um skeet kind of handles that performance where mm. he Quite often in these in, in the horror movies, when, when you've got like the boyfriend character or, or whoever that turns evil, you kind of if you watch it again, you don't believe their performance for the rest of the movie up to that yeah. point. Or when they turn evil, it feels like a parody and it feels too much. Yeah. But he plays it so well where he kind of slowly just unhinges more and more and more. And you see that everything we got beforehand was a mask and that Mm. mask is being ripped away. And it isn't just full hilt like crazy. Obviously, he shoots Randy, but like the rest of it and and him um, um, kind of with Stu and the backwards and forwards and that. And you see how he's slowly kind of becoming just more and more of this psychopath because he really is the the psychopath of this movie. Um, You know, he's the driving force of it. And, And yeah, I just think like that has done perfection. And I think kind of going back to what you said earlier like the the meta stuff and kind of the um joke on horror movie conventions and all of that stuff like when we first watched it i think like we would have vaguely appreciated it but we wouldn't have had that fatigue like all the other people that that have been kind of potentially going to the cinema to see these movies in the 80s and then still wanting to go in the 90s and to have that like and have this movie do that in such a refreshing way like it wasn't until years later that i appreciated that side of this movie Mm. um and it and it's probably what gave it like a longer life for me because then when you rewatch it you're like oh god yeah yeah i do get fatigued with so many of these things and like just when sydney is on the phone and like just saying about the uh you know dumb chick that runs um up the stairs instead of at the front door and then she does the exact same thing mm. like i just love it every time 
I think what's crazy rewatching it is like that is a very limited part of this movie, the whole phone calls, because obviously um, mm. I think we should talk about the opening scene because of how powerful it is. But like that yeah. is that is the scene which kind of like is what people think of Scream. And then obviously there are a couple of phone calls with Sydney, like the one the one just then you mentioned, and obviously when he calls him um, when he's in jail. Um, mm. But it's like the thing that's fascinating is the movie gets to the party around the, like the 50 minute mark. I think. It yeah. Is, the party, like the party is 41 minutes long. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's incredible because when you get there, I'm always like, right. I'm like, wait, is this where like Gail plants the camera? And I'm like, oh yeah, it is literally all of this party. Like all of the Randy stuff, the stew reveal, yeah. like all like obviously Gail and Dewey's relationship establishing for the first time. Like all of that stuff happens in that one location. And yeah. I think that's where, this movie is so ridiculously incredible is that it just it it gets to that conclusion so quickly that like when i was watching it i could not believe how quickly we got to the party um because yeah that's where tatum well you think you think pre-party you have casey and steve who die and um principal the principal dies yeah just before because that's when like school has been and yeah and then that that's it isn't it yeah it's pretty much the same day because it makes me because that's the one thing that did make me laugh like rewatching it this time was how crazy the police presence was at the high school Mm. and uh, the reporters and everything because there were two deaths (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was like wow yeah that would not happen now (laughs) yeah definitely Um, I think the other thing that really stood out to me was that, yeah, once we get to the party, which, like you say, is like about 55 minutes in or whatever, mm. there's two scenes with Randy up until that point. There's obviously the scene by, like, the fountain, which is an incredible scene, and he just steals the show. And then there's obviously the classic, like, video uh, store scene with him and Stu interacting and talking about, like, how Billy's, like, the classic killer and all that stuff, which is incredible. But, like, it blows my mind how... He, he is one of those guys and again like the supporting cast is incredible i think we have to talk about everyone individually because of how ridiculously good yeah. they are but jamie kennedy in this movie the oh fact that he's able to make such an <clears throat> iconic character in a movie filled with iconic characters but he's barely in it he's obviously yeah. later on in the party he gets his whole spiel when he's talking about halloween and then obviously he gets like a great you know fake death and all that sort of stuff um but like early on he he's like the character who has the least amount of lines by far out of everyone um like tatum has way more lines than him it's just whenever he whenever he talks he's he kills it and he just plays that character so well and he's that character that we all know you know we have a horror movie podcast we all know that we're a little bit like randy and so like we just instantly love him and yeah he just became a phenomenon we've seen that character as well in so many other movies like since then and it's never as good it's always like either irritating or way too kind of on the nose and it's like that is one of those characters on the script that like i don't know if it would be as as kind Mm. of um as incredible if it wasn't for that performance because he's just like he's just the show and he's just fantastic but obviously yeah the whole cast is absolutely ridiculous (laughs) like it's it's hard to even know where to go with this movie because there's so much to talk about um i know man i know it's i think like the opening scene just to Mm. go back to it and give it justice like it's I can't think of a better opening scene, like, ever. Mm. It's it's perfection. Like, if that came out as a short, it would blow people's yeah. minds, let alone that that's just the opening for the movie. Um, it's the the kind of... The whole phone call is just so perfect, how it's this kind of... And it never... The, the thing is, as well, that the franchise has moments like this again but again they're never this good like the the first scene of the entire franchise is the strongest of this telephone backwards and forwards Mm. just the whole kind of um you know she she's making the popcorn and he's calling her and she's kind of like 
annoyed to begin with but then she's like oh i kind of like his voice and i'm just gonna have a little flirt with him until my mm. boyfriend gets here and kind of you know starts talking about horror movies and it's all playful and then like when he says her name and he's like i want to know who i'm looking at and like yeah. the music hits and like even like just saying it now gives me chills and like every time i watch it it gives me chills and like the way she reacts to it and the way he calls it off and how the phone call just escalates from there like it really is just an absolute masterclass in the way it was written, the way it was directed, and the way it was performed by everyone. Like everything is just the absolute top notch. Mm. It's 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 you know it's perfection, and I think yeah. kind of um, you know when Casey finally does get her demise, it's it's brutal, and and when you kind of when they pan into her hanging on the tree. Like it's it's crazy violent, and you, it, like, and then suddenly the splash happens. You're like, shit, that's just the beginning of the movie. Like, it's it's yeah. just mad. Yeah, that was the scene that like got them like a lot of trouble with the MPAA. And that yeah, was I can imagine. Like, what, like, apparently the story is that like. Um, Wes basically lied and said that he only had one take of the scene and so that he had to use that one. And so then yeah. they came up with this idea of like, right, he's going to have to cut away from it and do the whole, the speed up thing, the kind of saw yeah. effect as it were. And that's ultimately how it got passed for an R rating. Um, because yeah, initially they were going to give it an NC-17, um, which of course would have just killed the movie on release. Um, so that's kind of fascinating. But yeah, like I agree with you. That opening scene reminded me of... Um, a couple of things that we talk about in the show, how the fact that the second the movie starts is literally just like a ringing phone, isn't it? It's like yeah. the first thing you hear and it's like her picking up hello. And it's like, I think I said about it with freaks as well. These simple scenes that just immediately get you involved in the story. Yeah, you're, you're immersed like yeah. just so much, you know, a quiet place did it. And, and yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Where it's just that was the of... other one. Yeah, definitely. Like it's rare to do because yeah. usually movies start slow. They kind of need to introduce to you the characters in the world and like who they are and then why you should give a damn about the story. Whereas mm. like these types of movies are just so simple with it where they're like, just immediately you're like, right, what's going on here? Oh, okay. She's on her own. Why is she talking to this guy and then like why is you know just everything about that scene is fascinating um so that definitely stood out to me and then the other thing was how much we talk about how hard it is for any actor to kind of portray these different levels of emotions when they literally got nothing to react to and i think the fact that drew is on her own with a phone and yeah. obviously maybe they're playing in the audio or someone's just reading on a script or whatever like the situation was when they filmed it but that is a ridiculously hard thing to do especially when you're like the first thing in the movie and you are carrying this new this new big horror film and i i, I think she's ridiculously underrated in the scene i think she's absolutely phenomenal like it's one of my favorite scream queen performances ever and it's only five minutes long um because i, I genuinely believe her terror in every single moment it's phenomenal really because obviously every, everyone knows the story that she was well i'm sure they do at this point but like that she was cast as sydney and mm. then scheduling meant that she took this role instead and kind of it really does make you wonder like what would happen if um you know i'm sure she could have made a great sydney but mm. i don't know who could have made a great casey yeah um and and you know like the the way that she did that like it just all of the, the planets aligned like you talk about different things like we've talked a lot about three from hell and how kind of, you know, can't imagine that movie without Richard and yet he wasn't in the original draft and mm. kind of, you know, it's the same with this. Like I can't imagine her not as Casey and, and yeah, you know, very close. We didn't get that. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it's, it's iconic, you know, it really is, you know, that, that word can get thrown out about a lot, but this scene is, is completely iconic. 
Yeah, I feel like all eight of the kind of the main actors, you know, of like mm. her, the obviously like the five kids, and then obviously Dewey and Gail. Like, I can't imagine any other actor or actress in any of those roles. Well, it's funny, really, because do you know some of the other actresses that were up for the role of Sydney and that came no. quite close? Um, because I did do a little bit of a deep dive on some trivia. Nice. So um, the um, I was just trying to find it now. The, the, there was kind of quite a lot of people. It was um, Melissa Joan Hart was one that was right. really close, which would but have for, been. Is that for Sydney? Yeah, for Sydney. Wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> which ninety six? Yeah, which would have been. When when was Sabrina like? She would have been so young. Yeah, well, because they they really they really were going around with the the age on it from what I saw. Because yeah, Melissa Joan Hart, Brittany Murphy, right? Um, Tori Spelling, which is funny. Yeah, because she gets and, reference as well, doesn't she? Yeah, and Reese Witherspoon. Right. Um, okay, so Sabrina started the same year as Scream. <laughs> right, yeah. That's She'd wild. had a very different... <laughs> yeah. And the the other thing was is that the original kind of idea for Sydney was that it was going to be a kind of Molly Ringwald-type character. Right. And so they auditioned her as well. Right. Um, so they were, it just seemed like they had a ton of actresses that they went through and then kind of landed on Drew... And then was unable to kind of get the scheduling right. And then, yeah, mm. I just don't know when Nev Campbell, like there is a Scream documentary that came out a few years right. ago. Um, oh, I can't remember what it was called, like Scream Revisited or something. Like I really right. want to watch that documentary. Yeah, definitely. Is that just the first movie or is that like? The I don't know. I don't know. Um, right. But yeah, I really want to check it out. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, the, the cast is absolutely ridiculous. And there's so many people that I can't imagine. I think with the fact that we've not mentioned him yet is crazy to me. But I think Matthew Lillard um, mm. might be the best performance in the whole movie. And that's saying something. Um, I Again, I can't imagine. Like, like Stu is maybe one of the most interesting characters I've ever seen in a horror movie. Um, kind of like his role, the way it progresses throughout the movie. And I think the, the final third of the movie is amazing. And I don't think it would be the same if you take his performance out of it. Kind of like... No. Uh, the over the topness of it it needed to be that dramatic because that's when the movie really takes a big leap and when you're talking about revealing serial killers these two kids that have masterminded all of this and their kind of grand plan like that's when the movie really does elevate and and become a lot bigger than it was before it wasn't yeah you know, it was just a bunch of kids partying getting drunk and getting attacked before that moment and that's when the grand plan is revealed and so i think the movie needed to feel more dramatic and bigger and i really think matthew's performance is what really makes those final scenes like he's just so so good and we well, we talked about it obviously how he's kind of like in talks potentially for a new movie and like i'm so torn with that because i think his his character is just perfect and i want it to be ended in screen one but difficult. like he's amazing i would love to see more of him because he's publicly said how he's not happy with that performance as well really blows oh my, my god mind. yeah he said in interviews that like he, looking back like he, he was too over the top and stuff but i oh, think man, it's I like it. you said it's perfect. it's perfect because it only works you, because it needs to be in that scene well you have that yin and yang because billy is an hmm. absolute psychopath and just just doesn't care and whereas Stu has this whole like, you know, and, and, and it brings that whole movie parody and he's the one that put all of that craziness on it and like mm. planning the sequel and doing all this crazy stuff. And he's the one that's like the over the top kind of one that, that kind of counteracts Billy. Billy would have probably just walked up to Sydney in school with a knife and stabbed her. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's kind of those two combined that came up with this dumb plan that was never going to work. Like you could tell that like, um, you know, Stu was the one that was trying to frame Sydney's dad and like get all the 
clone phone and everything else billy's just like yeah sure mm. as long as those two are in the room at the end i'm happy because i'm probably going to kill the dad like and, and yeah. sydney at the same time like that's all i care about yeah well um, billy has obviously all the, the the kind of the main yeah he's got the baggage yeah. yeah but but yeah I, I think i think it's perfect like i don't like yeah i i you, you can't revisit Stu at this point um mm, no. you know you, you, if if we've learned anything from the saw movies <laughs> like let's not let's not change the past like we uh you know we we have multiple characters that are still alive in this franchise that we that are great and could still be great and if you're going to use those then so be it but like don't don't bring back the dead mm, yeah um, i i agree like it's part of me that just wants <clears throat> to see more of him um because of how fantastic he yeah. is but like, yeah, he's I think he's like 50 now. And obviously, because these movies are super old and like, mm. yeah, I don't know if he'd have that same impact that he did, obviously yeah. playing like a high school guy. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know. I think he's so good. Like you say, everyone's in this is great. I think um, Courtney Cox is phenomenal as well. Like she plays a smaller role than obviously the kids do. Um, but she she plays a vital role as well, because I love how much of a bitch she is in the movie. And she's yeah. very different to how she is in, in friends. I think well, it was, was one of the main of reasons why she took the role. Like mm. she's, she's been interviewed and, and said that, you know, that that's what drew her towards it. And she actually made um, Gail more of a bitch. Yeah. Like she fought with Wes Craven because Wes wanted her to be more likable. Yeah. Especially when her and end, Dewey especially. kind of, yeah, but she really wanted to play that bitch card because mm. she just wanted to show that she could do something like that. And yeah, yeah she does awesome. it so well. Yeah, definitely. I think Dewey's the one that's like, it, again, it's such a time and a place performance because like David Arquette is just so silly in this movie. And yeah. he starts to become a little bit unbelievable as like a police officer. And I think he's the one that was like by far the most easily to parody because he's just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I, I still like his performance and I'm looking forward to seeing because th those are the parts that I forget about like Scream 2 and 3. Obviously seeing a lot of Gale and Dewey's relationship in those two mm. movies. Um, and I'm really curious how that's aged. Oh, that's Dewey's, like Dewey's theme is iconic. His little <laughs> theme. Like I love him so much. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, on my kind of trivia deep dive, there's a couple other things that I thought was mm. quite interesting. Um, did you have you spotted in the past kind of Linda Blair in this movie? Um, what Linda Blair from The Exorcist? Yeah. No. So she's one of the reporters at the high school who oh, nice. uh, throws a question at Sydney, uh, kind of one of the many kind of homages that right. the Wes wanted, and yeah, got her to just say the one line. Wow. I, I think did it's. Not know um, that. I didn't even see her. Yeah, I think it's like um, it's the one that goes like people want to know, people have a right to know, Sydney, yeah. and like yeah, that one, that's Linda Blair, huh. um, which is pretty goddamn cool. I didn't really because yeah, so piggybacking off of that, there is obviously an actor in this who plays the principal, um, who's a very well known actor, yeah. and he's uncredited in this entire movie. Um, I don't know if you saw anything about that, um, but yeah, like Henry was it Wrinkler who obviously plays the principal, um, mm. kind of he's not credited, and it's it's one of those weird ones because this was again I went on a deep dive of like famous actors that have gone uncredited in movies, and it was it seemed like apparently they just didn't want to distract from the movie, whereas people would be like, oh, it's the Fonz sort of thing. Yeah, so they, they wanted the focus to be on the young unknown cast members, and so that's why he's not credited. But it's always weird to me because like he's in the movie a lot, he's really good, and it's weird when you watch the credits at the end that his name he's, just isn't there. It is odd because I looked for his name at the end of these credits because I was like, yeah, and and I and I didn't know that he was uncredited until I watched it this time, and I, I yeah. was watching it and I was like. Oh, that's weird. I didn't do a deep dive after that, but it makes sense. And you, you can kind of see why, because he's not playing the same sort of character, obviously. Mm. Um, 
but we've seen so many horror movies that come out that says like starring whoever uh you know robert england or whatever and they're in like one scene and mm. they're on the front cover of the, of the artwork <laughs> yeah. because literally you know that's what's going to sell this movie that's not really that good yeah um sorry robert and um whereas kind of you know that they knew that wasn't the case with this and so they wanted to stay away from that at all costs yeah it makes sense with the with the initial credits because that's what's funny about this movie and that's one yeah. of the things that really stands out as like a 90s thing is you get the the splash of all the characters with like actually showing a scene from the movie with their name next to it and uh, you know that bit's really weird like i've i'd forgot that they did that i don't know if they do that in any other screen movies i can't imagine they do um but i no. thought that was funny to see like the splash of the faces i think that was where it came from was like they wouldn't want to be like it has the fonts ha, 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 yeah. because of how crazy the kind of final sequences are but, but on the normal credits of just text right yeah his name could have easily been there um yeah oh the only other thing that i saw that was pretty cool was in the opening scene when casey's on her phone uh when they actually shot it she actually dialed 911 and they forgot to disconnect the phone so in the first scene she actually called the police and the police heard like 30 (laughs) seconds of it play out (laughs) they had to explain themselves which i thought was awesome as well yeah that's great Um, um but yeah i think um one of the things that uh, I think one of my only problems with this movie um, is the way that Tatum dies. Yeah. Um, every time I watch it, I get disappointed by it. Mm. Um, it's the only real disappointment I have because I just don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's very weird visually. Mm, like I think that's one of those work. things on the script makes sense. And then when you try to think of the practicalities of it, like mm. how would someone get stuck in that? How how far do you put their body in it? How big do you make it? It just looks silly and awkward, doesn't it? Of like why would well, she not just get out of it? And and when I was reading my trivia, it, it said that um she she could actually fit through it quite comfortably and they yeah, only realized that on the day. <laughs> yeah uh, because she's that, tiny that tells, that tells as well <laughs> and yeah. and yeah and they had to try to shoot it that she was getting stuck and she was like and and when it, when it was lifting her up she kept falling out because yeah, she, she just wasn't stuck at all and yeah mm. it just it, it's the only part of the movie that looks awkward and i just mm. wanted ghost face like th- there's not a lot of kills in this movie no there really um, isn't you know and that that's a big one and it's it's it is poor and it, yeah it, it's one of the only things that i would change in this movie yeah, is definitely. To give her kind of a, a proper send off. I think the good thing about that scene is that she's kind of like, and what's crazy is she's the one that coins Ghostface. Yeah, um, it's the only time it's set, used. Yeah, exactly. Because they, what do they have it? It's called like oh, I can't remember what it is now. Because they find the costume. Oh, Master of Death or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and I liked that that it was like, and then she's the one who says Ghostface, and obviously it becomes yeah. a thing. And I think the I other thing is the sequel. <laughs> yeah, the other thing that I think is interesting, and obviously we'll talk about this a lot in the sequel, is Cotton Weary. Um, yeah, he talked about a lot in this movie, but to my knowledge, he's only in one scene on he's the television. In one tiny tiny scene yeah i think again that's one of those crazy things of like they're very lucky that they cast such a sick actor for such a tiny minute role because obviously he he has a bigger role in the later movies which we'll get to and live is a a great actor and it's wild that he kind of i don't know how famous he was in 96 or whatever but i almost think like why did he do such a small role i guess did he always know he was going to get to be a, a bigger role in the sequels um I kind of, yeah, obviously the fact that you said like Kevin already had the idea and it got mm. greenlit so quickly. I wonder if the studio and, and, uh, Wales and a lot of other on, yeah. people were, were almost like, look, we think this movie's a banger. I'm also Wes Craven. Like, you know, trust mm. me, yeah. you're going to be big in the sequel. Like we've got ideas. We, there's no guarantees, but you know, give it a punt sort of thing maybe. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I'm so glad. Like everything just worked out, man. It's yeah, a good time. It was it was a yeah. real good time. I guess we, we do have some Twitter comments. Um, but first, before we get to this, I mean, I know this is a this is a very hard sort of question to answer, but like, I'm just gonna say, is this your favorite horror movie? <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Yeah. It's your all time favorite, number one. <laughs> Yeah, like, it has to be, because, like I said, um, I think I can watch I can watch movies that, like, um, I try to give that spot to or, or love and kind of watch, but, like, I've never revisited a horror movie as much as I have this, and this movie had such an impact on me mm. um, that, you know, we would not be doing this podcast today if this movie didn't exist, mm. because this is what got me into horror movies, and then what dragged you into horror movies. So like yeah. this movie did that. Like there were other movies that started to kickstart that, and that you know this was not the first horror movie that I saw, but this was mm. the one that made me realize that like, yeah, I had a love for this genre. So like I will like nothing will ever top that. And so yeah, the, this this is my all time. Yeah, that's that's fair. Like it it just this movie even where you're watching it now i think in every way it's a 10 out of 10 movie it it, it, it literally does almost nothing wrong and the fact that it still holds up now we you know we talk yeah. about that a lot with movies and kind of re-watching them and especially when you talk about 70s and 80s horror movies there are so many we, that we love and there are definitely a few that still hold up but even watching some of the classics there are certain little caveats like i did watch dawn of the dead recently which i love yeah i do think it's one of the best movies of you know horror movies ever made but there are certain little bits in it where you're like okay you know budget restraints they didn't really get the look of zombies right and all of that sort of stuff yeah like, you, you have to it. you have to look away when there's just some really dodgy stuff going on mm. in it and and that sort of thing there are moments whereas yeah you know literally there was the later, one little yeah. critique and, and everything else is literally perfection and i think that's why like you know you, you said you know everything about this is a 10 out of 10 and like we will see we, we've reviewed horror movies for the podcast that are 10 out of 10s definitely um but the reason why this one kind of stands alone for me is because of that just personal impact that it had and oh, kind yeah, of sure. you know nothing nothing else will ever get there yeah it's incredible um yeah i cannot wait to talk about the, the future ones as well because like, like i definitely you know remember a lot of scream because it's so iconic like every single mm. scene and yeah like scream two and three is where it gets a little bit more blurry of like okay i remember this scene with ghostface but i don't remember exactly if it was in two or three or not so yeah i'm very excited to check them out um but we do have some Twitter comments this week. Um, of course, you can always hit us up on Twitter at shbpod, or if you want to send us a longer email, um, it's superhorrorbrospodcast at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, we do have a couple of comments about Scream. Um, kicking us off with Joe, who says, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, this this was the movie that got me into horror, um, so much like Hell ourselves. Yeah, Joe. Um, and he says he ordered the movies below. Um, he has it as one, four, two, three. Um, which is very Ooh. interesting and yeah it's kind of as each week goes on like next week we'll discuss one versus two and then so on and we'll have our own ranking at the end of these episodes um mm -hmm. so yeah it'll be very interesting uh, very interesting to talk about um next up um uh, diana says what are your favorites out of the screen franchise and why um well yeah we're going to be talking about that over the coming weeks <laughs> um so yeah i guess we'll we'll get to that because we don't want to spoil it at this point yeah um and, i mean uh, i mean mild spoiler alert i've already said this is my favorite movie <laughs> yeah i was gonna Hi. say Hi. <laughs> next pretty week sure he's like yeah one. scream two better than one uh... yeah pretty, pretty sure i know what's gonna be number one on the list guys <laughs> <laughs> thanks for ruining it listen i might i might it might not be my favorite who knows um i would take uh, you down <laughs> this is so, the hill i will die on <laughs> that's fair enough this is way better than your ghostbusters hill or your yeah. upgrade hill <laughs> yeah or my puppet master <laughs> yeah god all your hills suck apart from this one <laughs> yeah this one's a valid one um 
Yeah. Uh, next up is Kat, who says, I saw all of these in the cinema, including Scream, a midnight show in America. Um, it was like Rocky Horror. The audience were a part of the show. Um, that sounds wild to me. Like, I'd love to hear more about that, Kat, kind of like what people's reactions were to this. Because obviously, yeah. as we discussed, we watched this a little bit past the, the release date. Um, and I'd love to know what people's thoughts were when they first saw this, because, my God, it must have blown people's minds. Oh, yeah. Um, I need to hear more about this. Like, I'm I'm just so jealous um (laughs) because like we we only got to see one of these movies at the cinema Mm -hmm. um and and yeah like to see the first movie at midnight screening like i can only imagine to see the the first screen movie at some Mm -hmm. sort of festival like hype scenario um it must have been wild yeah, we, we've luckily to been a part of a few of those types of things, obviously, for when we've been going to cinemas. And those are the mm. ones that always stand out to me of like when, when we saw like Get Out pre-release. And I remember when we watched Midsummer for the first time, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Mm. Um, but yeah, she also said, um, I was a cinema usher at uni and stayed looking after the scream screen for months. Always worth it to watch the audience for the first scene. And at the end, people were genuinely screaming. Um, yeah. Makes you realize how it revived horror for so many people. And I think that's the biggest takeaway, really, is like this this movie its place in history is almost you can't unrivaled yeah Yeah, because it's like it's impossible to tell how different the horror genre would have been had this movie not come out when it did um it it genuinely might be the most important horror movie of all time for that reason um and then yeah lastly uh from cody um says uh who are your favorite and least favorite characters from scream um Very difficult to answer. Um, as I've yeah. discussed, I think the entire cast is incredible. I, I will just say that Billy is my least favorite character. Um, and I think it's intentional because he's such like a greasy head little shit um, <laughs> throughout the entire movie. <laughs> like the performance is amazing because I'm sure that's what they were going for. But even from that initial sequence when he climbs through um, Sydney's window, he's <laughs> such a little creep. And mm. it really makes <clears> you <throat> just feel uncomfortable watching it now. And oh, I don't know his little face, like when he, when he just rocks up and he's like, oh, you know, I was watching The Exorcist and yeah. got me thinking about you. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, what in your mind thought that would be a good, like, <laughs> line? And even Sydney's like, what? Are you, what yeah. are you talking about, Billy? Like, he's just he's just a little dirtbag. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, go wash your hair, man. Um, and then your favourite character? I, it's either Stu or Randy. I really, I don't know. Yeah. It's different. Maybe, I'll say Stu because he's only in this one, so. <laughs> um, yeah. R- Randy's, Randy's number one. <laughs> like, Randy's the number one. Like, uh, I'm not, I'm never ready to watch his death. Um, yeah. And even though I get to see him again in three, it just makes me want to cry when I see him in three because he's just so good. Um, you know, when we, <clears throat> I actually I was going to unpack some stuff that happens in two with him, but I'm not going to. No, no. Uh, we've got that next week. Yes. But yeah, like Randy's probably my favorite, but I really love them all. I think Billy mm. is a good point. He is the only real character that you don't like. I think kind of. Dewey's one that you, you touched upon that, that is odd, but I just always have such a love for him. It's his little face. <laughs> like, when he just answers the phone to Ghostface and Ghostface oh, isn't there and he's just like, hello. When, like, he, oh, screams, when he screams when, when he's he holding screams, the mask. When he's holding the mask, oh. like, everything is just, it's just perfect. <laughs> like, I don't know if he's the best actor in the movie or the worst. It's really hard to tell. He's the best <laughs> worst actor. <laughs> yeah. He's, 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 um uh yeah. yeah and so yeah i pretty much just had nothing but love like there isn't there isn't characters that i don't like mm. uh which which yeah like with our recent weeks it's just it's just nice to watch watch good things isn't it bro oh yeah it's awesome this was a great time and i'm already i cannot wait like 
we got a nice time ahead of ourselves. I'm really glad we spaced this out so we can give like mm. each, each kind of movie the time to breathe. Um, I think one yeah. of the things I was just going to say to cap it off, like just before, like we've done so well not to talk about it, but like scary movie is mm. a phenomenon and yeah. kind of um, was a movie that we loved um, as well. And like, that movie in so many ways should have wrecked Scream <laughs> yeah. because it really does parody every scene perfectly in the mm. most batshit hilarious way ever. But at this point, they complement each other. Mm. Like I watch Scream and like when he, uh, <laughs> you know, when he does answer the phone with that funny hello, yeah. and I just think of Doofy with the Hoover yeah. and like, you know, there's multiple scenes where I see the backwards and forwards, but it just brings a little like oh, smile mm. to my face when I'm watching Scream or when I'm watching Scary Movie, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to watch the actual horror movie now. Like they yeah. just complement each other. And, and I think it's a compliment mostly to scream that that it can still hold up when there's just this parody that rips it to shreds out there yeah. but also to how well done scary movie is that it can parody one of the greatest movies of all time horror movies of all time and still be a great movie on its own and kind of span all these franchises because it was really well made and mm. i think kind of um yeah it, it's crazy to think that that you know that those two movies do exist really and that they both work so well yeah i completely agree like i had to rewatch it again after mm. this week because yeah there's so many different lines of dialogue that are the same and so then it triggers you to get like the comedy line that follows it up yeah and i i think scary movie is my favorite comedy of all time i i've seen it probably more than maybe any other movie in my life which is crazy <laughs> because i had it as a video as a kid and i just just watch it all the time rewind it watch it again and i loved every single second of it and yeah i agree with you that it does now as an adult rewatching them like, it does complement it and they are these two different things of like it does make it stronger and normally i wouldn't want like that sort of thing especially now like a parody of a movie just seems like yeah. a ridiculous thing but i don't know something about like that cast was brilliant as well and they were kind of like all played these ridiculous roles really well and um yeah like it's i i, I absolutely love it it's absolutely hilarious and i'm glad that it's kind of it came out when it did like it came out so quickly after scream as well as what's crazy and there's like dimension were behind it and it was such like a you just wouldn't see that now of like the same company releasing like, no a parody it's movie. Um, but you know, I think it's because Scream is a parody of horror movies. Yeah. But then, kind of, why not have a parody on a parody? Like, mm. I don't know. Just everything about it works. Uh, and yeah, it 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 is just hilarious that that it, it works so well. For sure. And I think like so many of those parody movies are god awful and like the latest yeah. scary movies are really bad as well. But like the first two are so, yeah. so strong. And especially the first one is just ridiculously good. Um but yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll watch all them at another point. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, that was our discussion on the first screen movie. Um we'll take a short break and we will be right back. <laughs> So yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. The first of the screams in the bag. Scream 2 next week. Already cannot wait for that one. Um, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Pr- I haven't really been watching too much else. Like, I've been watching a bit of that Ash vs. Evil Dead. Um, because why Dude. not? Um, <laughs> Dude. Have you been re-watching I've, it? I mean, you know I sometimes go on a deep dive. Oh, God. Since, since, we, uh, since we last recorded, mm. I have watched two seasons of ash Jesus. versus evil dead and all three of the movies oh my god the, the original trilogy wow 
I've watched like, four time, episodes bro. of season one. Time, yeah, I, I I need to watch the movies again because like, I'm rewatching Ash vs Evil Dead, obviously. But like I watched mm. that quite recently, but I've not <laughs> seen those movies for so long. Um, the the movie the movies are uh, really interesting. Like three uh, three is just so crazy, and it's mm. weird because also this week I've watched Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> right. um, not not overly podcast related, but the <laughs> you're, you're watching... like you watch some random stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I do it. I do what I do. Um, but literally in the same night, I watched Evil Dead Three. When you've got Ash fighting the army of darkness, mm. and then I watched Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers, <laughs> the, Battle of, the Battle of Helm's Deep. Oh I'm not going to lie; the, the similarities were <laughs> outrageous. You saying Peter Jackson stole everything he knew? I think I think so. I think <laughs> most of it was stolen from Evil Dead Three. Um, literally, like the heroes arrive at sunrise on a hill to like take everyone out. Um, you know, it's it, it's the same. It's the same goddamn movie, just with a bigger budget. Mm. Um, so yeah, Lord of the Rings could thank Evil Dead. Really, I think I think that's where <laughs> I'm coming from. Um, but yeah, like the the original, the original. I've I definitely like just watching the TV show. The TV show is so good. Like. Um, first two seasons in the bag i think kind of the first season was absolutely phenomenal um the last few episodes kind of that you've not got to yet but obviously you know what happens like going back mm. to the cabin and stuff is just all so fantastic um the, the second season has like a little bit where it kind of had like a couple of episodes where were a bit slow and and but then it picks up again and like it's it's so good um the the level that it's in um the the scene i don't know if you'll remember it right now um but the, when when you get to it you'll be like oh my god how the the scene in the um the morgue in the second season where mm. there's like the he gets put inside a body shall i say oh my god like it's just so outrageous and over the top and only bruce campbell could pull that off and mm. i just don't understand how that even got made and put on television <laughs> it's just insane mm. um but yeah and one of the, one of the things that um kind of rewatching the movies like when uh, and the tv show um in in the tv show in the second season he goes back to oh god where the hell is he from west pine west something or other right um and like he he kind of gets re- re- reunited with his old school friends and stuff and like the kid that he used to bully is now the sheriff and stuff like that oh, yeah, he meets up with chet who's like his he's like oh you know we we were inseparable and we were boys when we were younger and stuff and that's played by ted Raimi. right oh yeah so is, is that season two season two yeah yes, i wondered when ted popped up well, I couldn't remember chet is a character in evil dead three <laughs> right so Chet, when, when, well? yeah right. when bruce <laughs> comes back to and works at the um uh oh god s smart yeah um uh he, t- um that's when chet is in it he's he's just at the very end of the movie oh, right. and has a little name tag with chet that's gonna be, on. so i just know, love one of the endings as well isn't it because the end well yeah it, it's yeah. in it's in the the one that gets paired with the movie right um yeah all the other ones are alternate ones um right i always get yeah the, the, the canon that he ends up like in the future but is that, yeah is that that's the not the canon ending? one yeah that's the yeah. alternate one the, the canon ending is that he gets back to normal time but he doesn't say the words right so right. The, the evil follows him uh, and right, so he's okay. he's in he's in smart and then the the deadites turn up again and that's when he kind of saves the day and ted like looks up to him right or Chet, <laughs> i should say but yeah and so like i just couldn't believe that he was actually in it <laughs> 
and it's really funny as well because in the original movies in one and two ted plays um henrietta when she's possessed right so like with all the makeup on and everything and he reprised that role for ash versus evil dead which i thought was awesome yeah (laughs) just just for the bama um but yeah like i had a real deep dive i had a real good time and um yeah i'm i'm gonna smash out season three soon and then kind of as the finale the only way that you should have as a finale i'm then gonna watch the evil dead remake (laughs) <laughs> nice yeah see, season so, yeah. three is ridiculously good like absolutely incredible. Yeah. it's gonna be so good yeah <clears throat> see I, I, had, I had a deep dive man yeah you've been watching some good stuff like i think the only other thing that i've watched that is kind of worth mentioning just briefly but obviously we talked about it earlier this year was i the lighthouse finally came out on blu-ray mm. um which after very long i think it came out like january on blu-ray in the united states and obviously we only got it in january and then yeah we just the delay completely screwed us over but it's finally out for everyone to see and yeah it's still uh, re-watching it it was still absolutely phenomenal like i was still dying of laughter at so many bits in this film um and yeah like re-watching uh, like the behind the scenes and seeing like how they made this movie just blew me away even more um mm. and just incredibly kind of yeah like surprised by their talents of everyone involved in that movie from obviously the direction and then like the way that movie looks and how they make it look the way they looked is just like they go so, so far above and beyond what they have to do um just because they care so much and it, and it really shows when you watch the movie um and, and the blu-ray does have a commentary as well which i haven't nice. listened to yet because i think midsummer does as well doesn't it yeah it does um, yeah. yeah like i need to listen to both of those like i got so annoyed because us didn't have a commentary and i'm mm. still annoyed about that yeah um, that's, because that's... jordan did such a phenomenal one with get out and i just i really annoys me that he didn't do one with us um but yeah i need to i need to like listen to the midsummer we uh we both watched a robert patterson movie this week all right i'm god jesus christ Um, (laughs) trying to think what other movie of his i want to watch please tell me oh i know what it was (laughs) was it was it goblet of fire (laughs) it was yeah of course it was He's so damn predictable. It's just always on loop. <laughs> yeah, got it. I also watched a Terminator movie. I shit right. you not. We need, we need to move on. You're, you're such a parody of yourself at this point. What Terminator movie did you watch? I watched Terminator 2. Why? Because <laughs> I watched Scream and I was in a really good place. And so oh I watched Terminator 2. <laughs> just watch Look, different films, it was, man. It was the day before Last of Us drops. And I was like, I'm not going to, I don't want to watch anything new. I just want to have a good time. I want to <laughs> put on some comfort food and, and, uh, and just, you know, so, so I watched T2, right. And I had a great time. Oh dear. That's fair enough. Um, right, it's, you know, that's the perfect it way. It is what it is. I think. Um, but yeah, that was it. The first of our scream retrospectives, like we said, we're going to be covering scream two next week, which I cannot wait for. And uh, yeah, that is the plan for the coming weeks. Um, obviously, in less like some someone does an absolute madness and drops something interesting, which honestly, I really don't expect at this <laughs> point. I think everyone's kind of given up with with the coronavirus stuff where everyone's like, look, you'll see these movies at some point in the future. Just deal with it. Um, so that's what we're doing. We're going back and watching some sick old movies. Um, but yeah, that was episode 201. Thanks for listening as always. And we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. Soon enough anyway, shut up, I can't believe because I never could. How could I stop?